there's probably someone that told you that when you were going to college, like, oh, those are the best years of your life. And that is horrible. That is toxic. That is evil. That is darkness. That is, uh, it's a scarcity mindset. And I believe that my best years are always ahead of me. And that has turned out to be very true. Very, very true. Uh, so just being in that mindset and believing the best of the possibility of your future, I think just sets you up for a better mindset. Start really thinking about who you are and who you're wanting to be, the kind of person that you want to be, like the character traits and start noticing how you're enjoying spending your time and noticing the things that are lifting you up in your life and the things that are pulling you down in your life. And realizing that you actually have more control over more things than you think um, and and trying to find ways to get just 1% better every day. You never have to have everything figured out. You never will. Welcome to Just Go With It, a podcast by 20-somethings for 20-somethings. Fun, flirty, and keeping it real. An absolute riot these days. If it isn't over the top, it ain't us. They came out of college on top. Then life hit them in the face. Be a bit more professional, please. Couldn't shut us up then. Won't shut us up now. Here are the tips and tricks you are going to need to get through your 20s. We are getting into it. Strap yourselves in for a wild ride. Live on air. I'm Abby. And I'm Ashley. Good Lord, it's already season two. Grab a drink, take a seat, and get ready to just go with it. Happy Friday, happy hour. We're back for another episode of Just Go With It. We are doing a little solo shtick today. No Abby, but we can explain that away later. (laughs) We're here with someone that if you are around the same age as us, 23, 24, you knew in your childhood. Um, He had a big impact on, I think, I don't know, I was in fifth grade maybe when the show was out, but we will get into all of that good stuff. We are here with Mr. Clayton Snyder. (laughs) fifth grade maybe damn i mean i really wasn't that far off honestly uh like the show started was that for was that for the the movie that the no just show in general show okay okay i was in middle school when the show came out okay you were oh i was way younger yeah okay about 10 years younger but um we're gonna get into that clayton so for anybody that doesn't know what we're talking about want to give a quick little background on who you are and some stuff you're known for (laughs) Who I am. Oh, gosh. Uh, So my name is Clayton Snyder. Uh, I grew up in Orange County, California, and people know me the most for my role of Ethan Craft on the Disney Channel original series, (laughs) Lizzie McGuire, and the subsequent film, uh, the Lizzie McGuire movie. A cinematic piece of history, really. <laughs> Some might say iconic. Some might say iconic. And do you feel like this has followed you around to your own detriment, or has it been like a good thing? It's certainly a good conversation starter. Yeah. I'll say that. No, I mean, I've never, I've rarely had negative experiences encountering that if someone were to recognize me. The time where it was the worst was when I was in middle school and high school. Ironically, uh, you know, the show is about Lizzie, her going through the cliques and all that kind of thing. And, 
you know, there's bully situations and uh, people just being mean for the sake of being mean. It's yeah. very funny to be on that side of things uh, when that's the story that's being told. Yeah. Um, before we get into the Lizzie McGuire of it all, how did you get, because you did acting post Lizzie McGuire. So how did you get into acting in general? What was your first instance that introduced you to it? And how did you kind of fall into being a show regular? Yeah, I was the only person in my whole extended family that really took an interest in the art, specifically acting. And from a young age, I just really enjoyed watching movies. That's how a lot of us start. And I was very involved in my church and we would do little talent shows and uh, you know, little <laughs> Christmas time, uh, you know, birth of Jesus plays. And uh, my, I actually, I actually attribute it in a big way to my elementary school. Shout out to Maga Elementary in Seal Beach, California, uh, because uh, they had a pretty great uh, musical theater program. I guess that only the fourth and fifth graders, the big kids of the elementary school, could audition for. And so as a younger student, uh, every year seeing the school play, seeing the bigger, cooler kids in this show made it something to aspire to, where in different circles or later on, uh, it doesn't have the same connotation, right? <laughs> and so I was like, man, I can't wait to try out, like, be like, like and do that thing. Like, like what, what an achievement. And That's for when you whatever know you've reason, made it. I guess so. I guess so. And trust me, there were other kids that did not feel the same way and were happy to be in the ensemble or not be involved at all. And for some reason, I was like, I would love to be the lead in one of these. It'd be so much fun. And so uh, my first play I did, well, the first thing I did was in uh, third grade. I was in uh, this kind of minor show where I played Papa Frog. Uh, but then the next year was the was Tom Sawyer. And I really wanted the role of Tom Sawyer so bad and then i was not cast as tom sorrow not even huckleberry finn i was actually cast as this guy mark twain who i had no idea who that was and uh i learned that oh like he's, he's the author he wrote the book turns out the character of mark twain in this show like narrated the whole thing and he was in and like bookending every single the, scene the role a million boys would kill for <laughs> I, I guess so. <laughs> uh, but that, I remember my, my, my parents would tell me later on, they were like, yeah, we didn't think you could do it. There were so many mm -hmm. lines. We thought, no way. Like, there's there's too many words. You can't memorize all this stuff. And I did. And I was having a lot of fun doing it and improvising and stuff like that. And then the uh, next year, I was the Tin Man in The Wizard of Oz. Uh -huh. Same kind of story. Another role boys would kill for. <laughs> well, some some I, I wanted to be the lion because he was funny. Because it was fun and funny uh -huh. and loud, and I could just have so much fun. And I was like, well, you can make the Tin Man funny if you want. And I was like, what? Really? Uh, so I learned um, I learned a lot at that time. And from there, your parents were like, my gosh, this boy has a gift. We have to <laughs> get him into acting. Because usually people's well, parents, the whole nepotism thing is all that is in acting these days. Usually people's parents connect them. I mean, I, I, think, I think because I was booking lead roles. And then I started doing some community theater okay. uh, in Lakewood and was getting larger roles in those as well. And I seemed to be excelling at it. I seemed to have a lot of fun doing it. 
and I'm told my parents again had conversations of like it wasn't like let's get this kid into show business. <laughs> uh, mainly, it was my dad was <laughs> mostly concerned of what happens to child actors. Yeah, definitely. They um, were typically and the dangers of that. So they were actually pretty wary of of doing that, and so we treaded lightly. And my mom got a subscription to Backstage West magazine mm-hmm. because the internet wasn't a thing <laughs> at that time, which is crazy I to know. think about. Um, so she subscribed to a magazine where there was an ad for uh, a manager showcase. So you'd work with a manager that you would then present a scene and they, he would bring in uh, a bunch of agents from mm-hmm. different agencies that he had relationships with and you might get uh, seen and liked and signed by an agency. And uh, we may may have paid too much <laughs> to, to, to do that, but it ended up working for me. And I got picked up by an agency and was going out on auditions for about a year and a half. Um, a lot of a lot of good auditions, a lot of close calls. And my mom, sweet sweet mom, was commuting me from Orange County up into L.A. And uh, uh, I booked a USC grad student thesis film as a background dancer because I could do cotillion, uh, which is like classic ballroom dancing stuff. And then I booked a public service announcement ad for like $100. Uh, and those were the only two things that I booked before getting the role of Ethan. And when you got the role of Ethan, were you shocked? Or were you expecting that something good was going to happen eventually? Well... I was 13 at the time and obviously like the, the two, I'd say like the three powerhouses of channels to kids at that time, like around that age were Disney, Nickelodeon and MTV. And like, those were like the big ones for sure. And I consider myself like more of a Nickelodeon kid, but obviously Disney channel is, is huge. Uh, I love, I love watching like the cartoons mainly. And, uh, at the, you know, it, it doesn't, when, when, when the show is just, uh, being presented, like at the time it was, it was titled, what's Lizzie thinking? It has no one attached to it. You don't know what the tone is going to be like. It's just, it's just, it's just pages. It's just a script. You don't know what it's going to be. You don't know if it's going to be successful. It's still cool that you like booked a role, but you know, I wasn't having conversations about like what the, what the money was going to be at that time. And it wasn't like, it wasn't crazy by any means. Um, but I was excited to book a role. <laughs> they were even not even sure they were going to use me in the episode that I was uh, cast in uh, for some logistical reasons. I'm not sure. And then they're like, yeah, okay, we'll use them. And he was just supposed to be like a guest star on this episode. And they kept writing me in and I became, uh, well, <laughs> on paper i would appear as a series regular because i was in half of the episodes but i was only ever a guest star <laughs> well you never got the title <laughs> no 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 uh, sorry series uh, recurring recurring i mean um but um so series regular you know series recurring and then uh, guest guest start you know guest appearance so was it like when <laughs> when you were the series reoccurring role was it like being in school where everyone formed clicks like all the reoccurring cast mm. members or was everyone just there to have a good time together what were the dynamics like got it so you mean on set yes on set 
on set was awesome. It was great. Yeah. I had such a great time. It was such a blast to show up to set every single day from the cast to the crew. Um, I didn't feel like there were clicks on the set. Honestly, there were um, like, there was some, the only like segregation there was, uh, was by your age and like the uh, group that you were in uh, casting wise. So what I mean by that is uh, I got closest to everyone but Hillary and that's not because Hillary is, you know, too good for anybody or was like standoffish, but not by any means. Um, she's, she's super cool and super nice. It, it was because being the lead in the show, they have to be the most efficient with her time and protect her focus. So when it came to being a minor and doing these shows, you have to clock in hours for school. Uh, for tutoring. So when you're a minor, you have to get three hours of, of school or tutoring um, every day. So if you're getting homeschool, like they, they have an onset tutor there or teachers. So if you have your homework, whether you're bringing it from your private school, your homeschool or your public school, you're supposed to just do schoolwork for that amount of time. And you can like even bank it earlier in the week. So you don't have to do it later in the week. And uh, so she had her a private one for herself. So that's what she was doing. Like if she's not on set, like running, like doing filming, they sent her immediately to do her schooling hours with her private tutor. And then when she's ready to be called the set, she goes back there. So like that was her routine. Whereas the rest of us, um, you know, Adam who played Gordo, uh, Ashley played Kate, uh, Jake Thomas uh, played Matt McGuire. Like we're all hanging out in this tutor room. And it was very much more like a classroom or you, you know, you're, yeah, you're studying, but like, you're kind of goofing off a little bit too. And on set, it was fun to be on set, but also you're working, right? Like you don't want to be the one holding up production, like time is money, right? Everyone's having a good time, but we're also knew how to be professional uh, in the same way. So when it came to the tutoring room, that's where I got closest with people. And then with the background actors or extras, whatever you want to call them, uh, they have like their own place where like they would do their schoolwork as well. So everyone liked each other and got along, but the people that I got closest to was was kind of that clique. This is so cool. This is such a big part of my childhood. So many people, so many girls. I remember in elementary school would have Liz McGuire birthday parties. This is so important to me. Uh, um, so how was it when you went to go film the Liz McGuire movie? That was wild. So the story there is this wasn't... You know, the, and how old were you at filmmaking? then? Yeah, so the, the show the show filmed between when I was 13 and 14 years old, and the movie was when I was 15 years old, and that's when I was I was a little bit on the older side of school, uh, having a September birthday, so I could have either been on the younger side or older side, uh, and I was going into my freshman year of high school before the filming of that movie, uh, but not knowing that there was going to be a movie that was going to be made. I was going to say <laughs> filmmaking is a little bit different because, you know, now we look into, okay, this is going to be like a three movie series kind of a thing. And this is how we're going to project it out and market it. And then it was just a show and they're like, can we make a movie out of this? Um, it actually wasn't produced by Disney. Um, yeah. And, and so the, the, the thing was I was going to be, 
I was really excited to play water polo in high school. I had been playing since I was eight years old and I was, I was getting pretty good at it. I was going to start on varsity as a freshman. I was really, really excited to do that. And I felt like I was forming bonds with the team already. And then I get the news that they're going to be filming a movie for the show in Italy, in Rome for two months. I'm like, what? But I would have to miss my freshman season of water polo. And to many people, it'd be like, duh, dude, go eat pizza. You kidding me? Like, get out there. Like, what's what's the hang up? But it was a really tough decision for me. Uh, but ultimately, yeah, it seemed like a pretty priceless opportunity to go and, and be a part of that. And so I said yes, and I had to very sheepishly tell my coach that I wasn't going to be playing that year. I think I came up to him like after practice and I was just like, Hey coach, by the way, I'm not going to be playing this season. Um, I'm going to be filming a movie. I still can hear his voice. He goes, by the way, by the way, (laughs) by the way, yeah, I'm going to relocate to Italy for a few months. And yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Right. And you know, like, of course, like that's, that's going to be the best decision for me, but I've learned, I've continually learned a lot about communication and the way to bring about conversations with people. And that probably wasn't the best way. Um, But while I was actually over there filming, I still felt very connected to the team and was trying to, you know, there's no streaming of the games. There's just the little uh, ticker of like play by play. You could watch maybe of like steal, you know, like miss shot goal inclusion. And you can just see like the quarter by quarter score breakdown, and I was catching the games that way every time that I could. And every time they won, I was so stoked. And every time they lost, I was always thinking like, oh, like what if I was there? Like, like I could have helped. I could have <laughs> done mattered. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and so I, I, was, I was super bummed out not being able to be with the team. And that was when, uh, after the movie, I was like, you know what? There were some other opportunities, I think, that were presenting themselves after having done the movie, but my heart was set on water polo. I knew I had to pick between a couple things. Like I could either, cause I was going to public school still at that time. And that's where all like my, my friends were at. And then there's playing water polo and then there's acting. And it's like, man, okay, well, I don't want to, I don't want to lose all my friends. Plus they say stay in school. So that seems like a smart thing to do. So like, I don't want to drop that and like, or be homeschooled. And if I stop playing water polo now, then I'll never know where I could have gone with it. You know, if I'm like excelling at this young of an age, like I don't know where it could go. And uh, acting, it's like these are, I could have an accelerated opportunity into the industry, but I also could potentially come back later. You know, like you can kind of technically you can come in and out of acting at any age um, at any time. And so I decided to stick with school and uh, athletics. Okay. So before you get into Pepperdine, where you played water polo there, correct? Correct. Before you got there and the buzz, the downfall aftermath of the movie, the aftermath, I guess, of the movie, (laughs) um, would people recognize you in public? Would 13-year-old girls recognize you at the the mall? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I I used to go to – I used to go to – there was one stalker. Yeah. Yeah, they kind of hang outside of my house, and my mom had to tell her off once. Yeah, um, uh, she she meant well, and 
uh, I would go to like downtown Disney just for fun with a couple of my buddies, like all the time we'd go down there. We had, we were, we were AP before AP was a, a term, uh, annual pass holders. So you just go whenever. And, uh, we'd go to catch this Irish band called the Fenians that we really enjoyed seeing <laughs> by the wharf area and shout out to the Fenians. And, and then there was a couple times where we used to go and like, just, we were just nobodies. So we just go and hang out and do whatever. And then there was one time where I went and one person recognized me and then that drew attention and then other oh people gosh. recognized and also there's like a huge crowd everywhere. And I'm like, I'm signing things. I'm signing oh like skin. I'm signing shoes and tickets and taking pictures. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm, and I was happy to do that. Um, I not because like, I was so happy to have my ego fed. It's just, I know I, I, I learned earlier what it felt like to not to, to approach someone and ask for an autograph or a picture and they blow you off and that didn't feel very good. So I just learned that I wouldn't do that. And, uh, but at the same time, I couldn't have my own experience there anymore. So I had to stop going, unfortunately, for a while. Uh, so the same thing would happen in malls. Like I'd wear a beanie and sunglasses and people would still recognize me at night, at night. Uh, and, but I guess, I guess thinking, thinking back on it, like you're probably more conspicuous if you're wearing a beanie and sunglasses. People night. are going to pay more attention to you. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, but but yeah, so there's that. And then I would go like playing water polo at, for Los Alamitos High School. And I would go to these away games and the stands would be packed at these away water polo games because all the girls wanted to see the guy who played Ethan Kraft on this team. And all the guys would want to harass the shit out of the guy that played Ethan Kraft on Liz McGuire. Would you be giving out autographs to all of these 13 year old girls after the games? Would you give them any attention? If they, if they, if they asked, I would, <laughs> I would oblige. Yeah. And would your friends give you a lot of shit for it? Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Well, there was, I was at uh, uh, one tournament when I was at Pepperdine, I think it was in like, somewhere in NorCal. And we're staying at a hotel and we're, <laughs> we're having a, a team meeting uh, in one of the hotel rooms and going over X's and O's, you know, like, you know, be focused, be serious, like pay attention. And there's a knock on the door. One of my teammates had told, like, there was like a girls soccer team there, like a high school girls soccer team. And they told them, they're like, hey, like you guys watching Lizzie McGuire? They're like, yeah. Like, you know, they got Ethan Kraft. Yeah. He plays on our water polo team. You should come to this room. And so during our team meeting, there's a knock on the door. And there's like a whole team of like <laughs> girls soccer team outside. Like, can we have your autograph? And I'm like, coach. Like, uh, he's like, go ahead. I'm like, okay. No, I would have also abused that if I were your friend at the time. <laughs> I would have totally run with that. Do you keep in touch with the cast and Hillary Duff? Sometimes, yeah. I mean, like, I'll, I'll see. I saw there's a little bit of talking with uh, 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 Hillary, especially during the talks about the reboot and all that kind of stuff. Rest in peace. <laughs> uh, and then I'll see Jake around every now and then. Sometimes we'll grab sushi. Um, we're not, we're not, I wouldn't say we're close, but yeah, we'll keep tabs yeah. on each other every now and yeah, then. Yeah, loose tabs. Uh, so then you end up at Pepperdine. And when you're there, you're doing the water polo thing. Do you give up on acting completely or were you still doing smaller things at that time? Uh, I knew I wanted to go back to it sometime, but I didn't do anything until college. And there were just some 
college shows uh, that I did. And uh, so there's a show called Song Fest, which you're probably familiar with. So I did a hosting thing. I was one of the hosts for Song Fest one year. Uh, I did Dance in Flight, uh, a few shows of that. That was a lot of fun. But I didn't do anything uh, like outside or like for more production stuff until uh, maybe 2014. Okay. 13, yeah. So when you graduate from Pepperdine, what is your next move after that? Well, I I ended up becoming Pepperdine's first graduating class of the film studies major, uh, which means nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Which means I read a lot about film theory and wrote a lot of essays um, and didn't do as much production as I would have liked. Um, so it was an interesting experiment. Uh, but I, I learned to you know, pay attention in different ways and how to talk about film a little differently than I had before, that's for sure. And I had took a trip to uh, an Apache reservation in uh, Arizona once and... I was a little inspired to perhaps enter the field of documentary filmmaking. And so I was thinking of going that route, but perhaps like returning to acting first so I can get some roots planted there make some money while I then directed on the side, you know, I had it all figured out. And then my senior year, uh, I had uh, relationships with the national team head coach and assistant head coach uh, for the men's USA team. And, uh, you know, they were like, Hey man, you know, you're not there yet, but if you, if you continue developing, you might have a shot of making the senior national team and maybe even the Olympics one day. And upon hearing that, I was like, Oh man, I need to try. (laughs) (laughs) I need some effort and see what happens. Yeah. And uh, so that then embarked me on a journey to train with the national team that summer uh, upon graduating. So that'd be the, you know, May, June of 2010. And then I ended up getting a contract to play in second division Italy in Sardinia uh, for a team called Promagest in uh, Quarto Sant'Elena. And then I played the next year in a small town called Kapasvar in Hungary. And then the next year, I got a contract to play in Herzegnovi for Yadran in Montenegro. And that only lasted a couple months because by then, by then, I had a lot of injuries racked up. Like my right thumb barely works uh, anymore. Like my hamstrings both snapped and gave out. My neck had gotten kicked playing against Brazil one time and it would go out sometimes and uh, I was super lonely, and there was a transitioning from the head coaching staff to the guys that I knew to a new guy because it wasn't really in my heart to be an Olympian. I I did not have the fortitude to keep going and you, at that pace. You said the transitioning was hard. What was? How did you kind of make friends, accommodate, um, or integrate yourself into these different cities and? You were just kind of bouncing around a lot. Were you well, alone? Did you have you, any family or just your teammates? No, just me. And, you know, just an American amongst Italians or amongst uh, Hungarians or amongst uh, uh, Montenegrins. And there would be a couple, quote unquote, foreigners on the team, but they'd be from Croatia or Serbia or, you know. And 
uh, every so my first year in Italy, uh, a handful of the guys spoke English, uh, but thankfully I'd studied a lot of Italian at Pepperdine, so I could speak um, okay. Um, and it got better over time, as you'd imagine. And then Hungary, a lot of the guys spoke English uh, and pretty well, actually. And that was a hilarious dynamic because I could speak, I could speak English with my teammates. Hungarian is a very, very tough language. Um, uh, I could speak English with my teammates, but we'd have team meetings. But, but sorry, I spoke English with my teammates, but the coach couldn't speak any English. So the, the Hungarian coach and I would speak Italian with each other to communicate. Uh, and so like my teammates, you know, didn't have faith in me and you go from being, you know, a hard worker, excelling player, team captain of your high school and college team to then here. And everyone thinks that you're, you know, just scum. And it's just like, it's tough. It's tough in your self-esteem. <laughs> and like, I didn't, I just didn't click with anybody there. Uh, and yeah, it's so like that. And like, I took an acting class the summer before just to kind of dip my toes into it. And I'm like, dude, I remember why this was so much fun. Uh, so it's just a lot came to a head, but I still had to quit, you know, the, the trajectory. Cause it was at that point where like, if I stop now, like there's, there was no chance of going forward. And so, uh, so I did. And, uh, somehow I'm actually still playing water polo. To this day, uh, for a club team that a couple of buddies and I uh, co-founded for the LA, uh, the Los Angeles Athletic awesome. Club. So we're a pretty competitive Masters water polo team out here in LA. So when you quit water polo then, what did you end up doing when you came back to America? Uh, I got a bartending license, signed up for Uber and Lyft, and got myself a studio apartment How in LA. And was a, I was question so i was maybe 26 ish okay. so you must be feeling displaced in a lot of ways so what how did you figure out what your next move was going to be well i mean i the whole plan since i was 15 the plan was to go back into acting and shoot my shot that way and i had uh stayed in touch with a manager that uh, a different one that i had met during the lizzie mcguire filming and basically she signed me and I was like, Hey, I'm going to stop acting. <laughs> She's like, Hey, I get it. Uh, but let's stay in touch. And so 11 years later, I reached back out and we're like, Hey, so, um, I'm ready. And she's like, great. Uh, let's get you into classes. Let's take headshots, um, and get you back out there. And so that was just a lot of auditioning and getting into classes and, um, ended up doing a bunch of, uh, you know, student films, web series stuff, self-produced things, doing improv classes at Groundlings and UCB and uh in other independent films uh later would do <laughs> the small role at an ncis episode and a couple netflix opportunities and yeah so it was a it was it was a good shot so for anyone who is interested in getting into acting or knows anyone that's interested and doesn't know where to start what would your recommendation be mm, great question uh and that's that's the immediate answer is it depends what you're thinking of getting into is to say that like, I want to do acting. That is, we, we need to narrow that down a little bit, I think, um, and really attack like a thing, um, whether that's, I mean, people can have different opinions. This is, this is my personal one. Now, you want to say yes to like opportunities that come to you, 
But, you know, are you wanting to do musical theater? Are you wanting to do television? Are you wanting to do film? Are you, like, are you wanting to start a YouTube channel? Like, I don't, there's lots of different things. Like, do you want to go into voice acting? And then what kind of voice acting? Do you want to do commercial voice acting? Or do you want to do video games? A lot of niches in everywhere that's going to have its people um, that kind of run the show. Like, different casting directors for different things. There's different styles of acting. And those behoove different uh, mediums of acting. So, uh I mean, the, the number one thing is to get into training, get into class, get reps in, do scene study, understand how to read a script, how to break it down, how to self-tape uh, yourself, like how to, how to audition. Um, but you need, to, you need to find ways to um, audition or at least practice auditioning as much as you can. Build your tribe. Stay in touch with people that you click with on your journey. And, and build your like champions around you. Um, if you, if you're a content creator by nature, God bless you. And if that's a little bit of a struggle for you, you know, try to find people who are, um, so that you're just like making things, uh, get yourself on set, try to PA on as much things as possible. Try to get on a film set. Even if it's like an indie or a student film, just be hands-on so you can see what it's like. Uh, or maybe even try to get um, into the oh, I can't remember the name of the of the the background actor organization uh, here in LA it's slipping my mind. But even if you can get yourself uh, as an extra on a film set and you can see what it looks like to be on a production, how things are communicated, how it's ran, um, just being in and of it and try to immerse yourself as much as you can. And I think a lot of people miss this is. I think that to to be able to act and support yourself financially entirely is such a minuscule population of the actors that are out there. I think in the SAG-AFTRA union, uh, which has its own health insurance plan, I'm not sure if the numbers are different. I think only maybe 10% of SAG-AFTRA members even qualify for their own union's health insurance because you have to work a certain number of days or earn a certain amount of dollars. Um, so that tells you like how tough it is. Everyone's trying to scrape for their SAG card. Hold off on that as much as you can and work as much non-union as you possibly can until you absolutely have to work union, I would say. And you have to do acting because you freaking love it. And if you don't love it, then you're just trying to do it because you're trying to like live an easy life or just make a bunch of cash. Uh, good luck. Um, I, I, I much more believe in, uh, not necessarily, I don't think everyone has to like pay their dues and, and grind and grind, but I just think it's wise to have something that you're doing that is supporting you while you're doing that. Whether you go to trade school, or you become an electrician, or you become a real estate agent like I'm doing, or you uh, run a blog. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Like you run you, other kinds of sales jobs, uh, where you can put in the hours, but then have flexibility. Um, or obviously there's the, uh, classic, uh, hospitality industry positions, you know, uh, running events or bartending or, uh, hosting, serving tables, those kinds of things. Like they're, it's tough. And I'm sure like when you get on the other side of that, uh, like my wife, Allegra, uh, Allegra Edwards, who's on Amazon Prime's upload as Ingrid Kanerman, 
she was in New York grinding, being a uh, maitre d' and, and hosting and getting harassed by very wealthy men <laughs> uh, for years until, uh, and that's after having an MFA. Like she, she got her degree in theater at Pepperdine and then got an MFA. She's a, ma- you know, a master's in theater and she still had to grind for years and years um, before finding her footing. Uh, Did you and your uh, wife, you guys have a baby on the way, right? We're a month oh my away. Gosh. From the it day. could happen tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it could. Is, yeah, it's healthy enough to. Yeah, yeah it'll, it'll be great. Um, is this your first kid? Congratulations. First, yes. That's going to be so much fun. Thank you. Know you know if it's a boy or a girl. Very exciting. Boy. Do name picked out? We do, but we're going to do a little, uh, you know, we'll, we'll reveal yeah. that. Um, so did you meet her? Oh, I was going to say, did you meet her at Pepperdine? Because you said that she went there. Or is she? Yes. And did you see yeah, her Yeah, there's a, there's, a, <laughs> there's a whole story What's there. Story? <laughs> uh, yeah, we definitely don't have time for that. But, uh, the, but the, the brush strokes are, yeah, we met, we were introduced um, by someone on the water polo team. Uh, she and him knew each other beforehand. And so we met going into our freshman year because I was there for preseason training going into freshman year. And then uh, uh, we started dating pretty quickly. It was like just like a few weeks. Uh, we were just hanging out a lot. And I just had so much fun with her. And I'm like, yeah, let's do this. And so we dated for three years in college, uh, freshman through junior year. And then we broke up uh, for reasons. And then... Uh, eight and a half years later got back oh, wow. together and then yeah yeah it's uh it's quite a story then a year and a half later uh engaged did married. you run into each other like in the wild eight years later or did you someone reach or did someone <laughs> reach out <laughs> uh no we were well we we had run into each other in the wild a number of times okay. just having similar circles yeah, Pepper and uh, small. from Pepperdine. Yeah. And, uh, so we'd see each other and we were Facebook friends, but, you know, we wouldn't intentionally hang out. And then, uh, later on, uh, you know, we would re-engage a little bit intentionally, but kind of a fun dynamic because we were both like, well, we weren't seeing each other while we were hitting each other up kind of a thing. But, um, but yeah. That's incredible. The odds that you guys both would be single at the exact same time, eight years later. Well, we weren't. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was, I was, uh, I'd gotten out of a, a long relationship and uh, I reached out to her and uh, just kind of talk about something that was on my mind. And then uh, she was bet- like dating a couple mm-hmm. guys and we ended up having like a three hour long conversation. So she wasn't in a relationship necessarily, but I was like giving her dating advice mm-hmm. on like how she should navigate these two other <laughs> men because she was living in New York and I was in LA. So it's also like, oh, you know, like this isn't, this wouldn't work. Right. Um, but there was a conversation and I was definitely thinking like, man, uh, similarly to when I started acting again, I was like, I remember why I liked this and had the same thought like, man, I remember why we were dating. And, uh, uh and then uh, then I realized that I was ready to start dating again. Then I started seeing somebody and then we were kind of like trying to be friends and navigate that. And we we're like, ah, well, this is feeling like we're wanting to be friends, but really wanted to be more than friends, but we can't. And so we just like kind of cut off. And then uh, without telling the other person, we both broke up with our respective partners, like a week apart from each other without the other person knowing. And then, 
uh, we ended up finding that out by happenstance. And then we had a conversation is like, well, should we, should we talk? And then we had to, <laughs> I happened to have uh, a couple shoots in Rhode Island or in Long Island and in Connecticut uh, in like a month from then. And so we planned a time to meet out, uh, to meet out, to meet up. Uh, that is not a, <laughs> is that a, is that a 40 and make out? No, because we did not make out. Uh, I was very intentional about that because like, okay, is this nostalgia? Yeah. What's going on here? Like, what's your credit score? How much debt do you have? Where do you see yourself living? How many kids are you wanting? Like, is yeah, just really getting a sense for who who are you and who are you wanting to be and are the big pillars in place that we can step forward into this because we weren't trying to just half-assedly date and have fun at that mm-hmm. point in our lives. So what I'm hearing is if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And if you have an inkling of reaching out, you should go for it. Boy, there are nuances to those statements. Uh, I'd I'd be happy to talk about all these on on a second podcast, and I feel like that's even even different topic. Yeah, but is. I guess it's for people in their twenties; it could be applicable. But um, look, if it's if it's to be, it's to be. I I do you know I'm I'm a, I'm a Christian man of faith, uh, saved, and I <laughs> I do think God is sovereign and things are working out. There's this very complex dynamic between God's sovereignty and his plan and our free will that I can't wrap my head around personally. And it's this thing of like, he knows it's going to happen, but we also have decisions to make. Definitely. Very crazy. Uh, So like I said, I can't wrap my head around it, uh, but that's kind of how I would hope that the creator of the universe would be bigger than what my brain can comprehend. It's for Um, the best. (laughs) Come on. Yeah, it's for, so there's there's a both and there, and I will say that what some might call like your conscience or your gut, uh, there can be things at times, and I'm you know even hesitant to say that because I, I don't know if anyone's listening to this and like hoping for advice or like a spark of like oh what's he gonna say maybe this is what I should do. Um, it very much depends, but uh, there are times where I think that there is something in us navigating us towards whatever it is that we need to do in any given moment. And if that means you need to be applying for this job or saying no to, you know, a relationship or saying yes to relationship or reaching out to somebody. Um, Cause you know, sometimes if you feel like reaching out to somebody uh, you know, you, you just, you don't know, I, I don't know what that person's motives are to reach out, you know, and like, who is, who is that really for, you know, is it for that other person or is it just for you? And, are you opening up things that shouldn't be opened up? And it's just, there's a whole, there's a whole big picture that hit me up on Instagram. I'd love to talk <laughs> we about can it. Do a I'm going to start a whole, we can do a a whole account. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, Allegra and I are actually both kind of um, passionate about uh, relationships and the dating scene have, and, and, both and, of you and come marriage on. and those things. But Hey, I think we'd be down. Uh, yeah, we can market we'll it. Figure as, it out before uh, the baby Allegra comes. Allegra and Clayton know <laughs> relationships uh hop on and get wisdom yeah hop on and get wisdom so stay tuned for that we will circle back to that one at a later date um you mentioned real estate briefly any advice for anyone looking to get into real estate Mm, yeah absolutely so i mean the first step is really there is so much information online about real estate and there's just a lot of content and a lot of great and a lot of not and everyone it's not too dissimilar from acting because uh when you're in acting 
there are so many things out there that want your money that are promising opportunities for you. And like, Hey, if you only spend this few hundred dollars or these thousands of dollars, you're going to like have a leverage up in your career. And uh, I think a lot of actors are taken advantage of um, because like you just got to do whatever you can to kind of scramble and make it work. And same goes for real estate, you know, like, Hey, like you want awesome opportunities, just like pay this much per month and, and you'll be awesome. Um, I think you really need to find somebody that's in the industry. Like I would call around local brokerages and be like, Hey, I'm thinking about getting into real estate and becoming a, a sales agent. And I, I don't want to talk to somebody about the opportunity. Most brokerages would be very happy to recruit somebody or at least, you know, to share wisdom because also similar to acting, there are people that want to pay it forward because no one makes it on their own. I have so many people to be so uh, that I'm very grateful for that have taught me a lot about the industry and, and going forward and always continuing to learn and paying that forward to other people who are interested. So, I mean, hit me up. Um, I met Hey Clayton at in, uh, on Instagram or Hey Clay Realty. Um, please hit me up. Happy to talk about it. Um, so really, it's kind of getting embedded with people that have been to where you think you might want to go or can help show you like what the possibilities are. Um, and there's a ton of information on YouTube or Google or wherever um, that, you know, some better than others, but uh, the, most of the good ones are actually free. Um, a, a lot of good insight out there. And of course, there are good coaching programs too that can you can add some accountability into yourself. Uh, I started off at Keller Williams Brokerage, which is an excellent brokerage for new agents. They consider themselves a technology and educational uh, brokerage you know, before anything else, um, which I think is accurate. I'm currently with EXP now, which seems to be a very natural <laughs> transition. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm gonna on a small team here, a small but mighty team in Los Angeles, uh, and been doing that since 2018, and it's been it's been awesome. I Amazing. Love it. Do you have any last words of advice, wisdom, anything that you think someone listening could benefit from in their 20s? It could be about anything. Well, you'll come back later for a relationship one, so don't worry about that. <laughs> so so to, to wrap up, I would say as time has gone on, I two things. One is the idea that there's probably someone that told you that when you were going to college, like, oh, those are the best years of your life. And and that is Horrible. That is that is Satan. That is toxic. That is evil. That is darkness. That is uh, skeptical or not skeptical. Uh, it's a scarcity mindset, mm -hmm. and I believe that my best years are always ahead of me, and that has turned out to be very true. Very very true. Uh, so just being in that mindset and believing the best of the possibility of your future, I think, just sets you up for a better mindset. Then looking back and like the whole hashtag, oh, adulting is hard thing. I think it's, I, I hate it. Like, I think there's a, I think there's a space for having empathy and like shared experiences. Like, yeah, this is kind of tough, but like the, oh, gotta pay bills, uh, taxes. It's like, grow up. Like this, like w w there's so much space for, for freedom and opportunity. If we lean in to that responsibility and like the responsibility is actually what you want. Um, because that actually gives you the freedom you're looking for. And it's counterintuitive that way. And that's the other thing. It's, look, everyone says like, oh, you're 20s, you're young. 
like do whatever you want, like whatever. And I think 20s are great for exploring. And like, if you want to go to Europe or travel abroad, I think that's awesome. Obviously, I had that experience playing water polo abroad. Um, I highly recommend that. It just opens up your worldview a little bit. And I would say start really thinking about who you are and who you're wanting to be. And I don't mean like, I want to be a carpenter or I want to be an astronaut. I mean, the kind of person that you want to be, like the character traits and start noticing how you're enjoying spending your time and noticing the things that are lifting Mm -hmm. you up in your life and the things that are pulling you down in your life and making it falls in that same category of responsibility of learning to slowly be more accountable for the smallest things in your life and realizing that you actually have more control over more things than you think. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and trying to find ways to get just 1% better every day. You never have to have everything figured out. You never will. Uh, But you can get 1% better in some aspect of your life every day. And that compounds over time. And the sooner you start doing that or have that mindset, the greater growth you're going to see. That was excellent. Um, we'll, we can recap, go deeper into literally every <laughs> word you said. We can go in deeper on the next episode you come on for. Do you know Ed Milet? He has a podcast, Ed. Do, I Do you know who? who Ed Milet is? He has a podcast. Um, I, I think it's think called so. Ed Milet Show, but it goes so in-depth. On, he's like maybe 50 years old-ish, um, but he's a businessman and he has a podcast and it goes so in-depth on everything you just said and I think you'd really enjoy it. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Text I'll me send a, it to you or, later. Yeah. Text or email me a um, link. Yeah. 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 Awesome. But off of that, do you have any books or podcasts that you think people would benefit from? Any recs? Oh, gosh. Or it could just be for fun, pure entertainment. Doesn't have um, to be beneficial. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Monty Python, Holy Grail. Um, <laughs> Uh, man, there, there, there's a lot. Okay. The, the first book I'd say that comes to mind, there, there's a slew. I got to start keeping a list somewhere. Uh, I'll just say you can start with the one thing. It's the one thing, uh, it's written by, uh, I think Jay Papazan and maybe Gary Keller and, uh, Gary Keller's that, uh, one of the founders of Keller Williams. And the, I, the concept is, in our lives, especially as you get older, there just seems to be a piling on of priorities and in, in things that I need need to happen, need to get done, and you're not wrong. The trick is that if everything's a priority, nothing is actually a priority. And so boiling your life down to, okay, what is the one thing I can do such that by doing it will make everything else easier? or unnecessary. So kind of like 80-20 concept in there, like what's the biggest project that's not necessarily urgent, but very important that I have to block time to be accountable for and commit to that's going to actually make a huge impact on the rest of my life. And it's usually something that's so easy to put off and no one's asking you to do it. Um, But you just have this core thing that you know that needs to get done. Um, And if you're able to identify that, and then actually, you know, create your bunker and, 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 and commit to that, you'll find a lot of growth. But the one thing, 
uh, okay. easy to find. There's a, there's a one thing podcast, oh, awesome. uh, all that kind of stuff. Perfect. Okay. Well, this has been excellent and I can't <laughs> wait to listen back, especially to the last quarter of it. And we have a yeah, lot, we have yeah, a lot more to yeah, talk I'll about. Back to you we ramble no, on. no, we have a lot more to talk about and Abby will be here next time and she's going to love it. But thank you so much for coming on. This is really fun. Yeah, thank and you. where again can the people find you if they want to follow you or reach out? Uh, easiest place is Instagram at Hey Clayton. Okay. Or yeah, yeah, Hey Clayton. And then on uh, my, my realty page is at Hey Clay Realty. Okay, perfect. Awesome. Thank you so much, Clayton.